most second graders, well, they don't want to be in class. They want to be out on the recess, you know, outside, playing, whatever they can do. Sitting in class, that's not fun. But it's important. So we have to learn to listen. Hearing is physiological. If your auditory nerves, if everything's working right in your ear, you can hear, but that doesn't mean you're listening. Because how many couples that have been married talk to one another, and it's usually the man who's challenged on this, that he has selective hearing. You know, when you're in the middle of watching a close ball game, you're focused on the game. And that's just the way it is. It's not just men, though. I know that women probably have selective hearing as well. But there are a lot of issues that affect listening. There are the external things that are around us that we have no control over. If we're outside, it could be the heat of the day. If we're inside, I'm either too hot or too cold. Uh, If it's internal, and those are just a couple of the things. It may be the lighting, because I like it bright, maybe it's too dark, or maybe there's something going on. It could be internal. Maybe I forgot to eat breakfast or I didn't get up in time and now I'm looking at the clock and thinking, oh wow, I'm going to be done, you're going to be done here at about one o'clock and it's just a preview, okay? And I'm hungry and I wish Reed would hurry up and get through this so I can go eat. (laughs) There are emotional reasons, you know, maybe I had a bad day. Maybe I had an argument with my spouse, my child, my boss, or something was going on. All of those are playing in my mind as I go through it, emotionally, psychologically. So it's tough to listen. 93% of communication is nonverbal. So we can say a lot, but we say less with our voices and more with our nonverbal communication, our body language. And we can really... Let somebody know. We can look them straight in the eye and we've got our arms crossed. Huh? Yeah. Are we really listening? Sometimes maybe you are because you crossed your arms for comfort. But it's important that we listen. That we learn how to listen. It's important that we listen to God. And God knew that it was important that Israel listen to Him and that we listen to Him. And as I have announced some weeks ago that we're going to begin a series of lessons, I think I counted maybe seven. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is passage, verses 4 and 5, started, it goes through verse 9. It's known as the Shema. It simply says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Now, verses 6 through 9 also became a part of it, but we're going to, this morning, introduce this text as a whole. We're going to look at the background of it, the meaning, importance of it. We're going to explore this word, Shema, and then we'll look at Israel, then the lesson on Jehovah, then the lesson that we'll look at love, the heart, the soul, and the mind. And then we'll be done with the series. 
As I said, this passage is known as the Shema. It's known as the Shema because that's the first word of the text. In Hebrew, the word here is the Hebrew word Shema. I think it's used some 400 times in the Old Testament. So it's an important word. And on the surface of it, we might think it just means to hear. Hear what God has said. But I think over the time that we will notice it has means much more than that. At least I hope we do. It has been used daily by the devout Jews, the, probably even the Orthodox of our day. It was used, it was memorized by children, and they would be their first prayer of the morning, their last prayer of the evening. It's the first verse of the Torah, or the law that every child memorizes. And so, it has a great historical foundation for us. Shema is a foundational passage of Scripture. And so, as we look at it, we need a little bit of background about it. What is going on here in Deuteronomy? Well, Moses is getting ready to hand over the staff of leadership to Joshua. Joshua is now going to lead the people of Israel. The people of Israel have spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. They've left Egypt. They didn't go in and take the promised land as they were supposed to because they had no faith. They showed their lack of faith a lot of times when they were in the wilderness. And they needed to learn to trust God, to obey the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But one of the problems that Israel had in showing their lack of faith was idolatry. I mean, Moses was on the mountain getting, receiving the law from God 40 days and 40 nights, and the people of Israel got anxious. And so they go to Aaron and say, make a God for us. And so they took their gold earrings, their gold, and out of the fire came this golden calf. Yeah, right. It's what they knew from Egypt. They had engaged in idolatry. That was practiced in Egypt. But they forgot that the miracles that God did in taking them out of Egypt showed His power over these false gods. Nonetheless, they still practiced idolatry. And so God is telling them they need to listen to Him. In Exodus chapter 20, and conveniently in Deuteronomy chapter 5, and I think well placed we have in Deuteronomy chapter 5, a restatement of the law. And that very first one, as it says here in chapter 5, Then Moses summoned all Israel to and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes, the ordinances which I am speaking to you today in your hearing, that you may learn them and observe them carefully. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. The Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers, but with us, with those, all of us alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face at the mountain from the midst of the fire, while I was standing between the Lord and you at that time to declare the word of God to you. For you were afraid because of the fire and did not go up on the mountain. He said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. 
Then he goes on to explain what he means by them. No idols in the likeness of anything in the water, on the land, in the air. He says, you'll not worship or serve them, for I'm a jealous God. But I'm loving to those who keep my commandments. I am God who brought you out of Egypt. No other gods before me. And they had to learn to live with that. And those lessons while they were wandering while the wilderness, their parents died in the wilderness because of their idolatry. Because they were a disobedient and rebellious people. God is trying to guide them back and lead them back to Him to get them to where they need to be. And so this is the concept that we see here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. So, but before we get really into Deuteronomy 6, let's go back to chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. We've already looked at chapter 5 where he gave the law. But this is what God said to Moses and what Moses spoke to the people. Very similar. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I am teaching you to perform so that you may live and go in and take possession of the land which the Lord your God of your fathers is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I am commanding you, nor take away from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord has done in the case of Baal Peor. For all the men who followed Baal Peor, the Lord your God has destroyed them from among you. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. See, I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do thus in the land where you are entering it to possess it. So keep them and do them, for that is, for this, that is wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes today and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people got to listen and the word is the same here O Israel listen to the statutes the judgments that I'm teaching you so that you can perform them in Hebrew listening always comes in the context with the idea that you're going to obey you're going to do it's not just about letting the words Stimulate your auditory nerves. Listening and obeying are both there. There's a huge difference between hearing and listening. Hearing is one of the five senses. It's a natural inborn ability that we have. That we hear sounds. We never stop hearing unless we develop as we age. Sometimes hearing gets weaker. Or because of accident or illness we lose our hearing. And become deaf. And then we have to listen differently. When Kathy and I lived in Hayes, we had two members who were certified in American Sign Language. That certification meant that they could interpret for that person in official matters. Because they knew sign language that well. That they were experts, if you will. That they would convey to the individual who was deaf exactly what maybe the judge was saying or what the, was going on in the trial. And that their testimony would be conveyed exactly as that person was testifying through sign language. They weren't hearing anything, but they were doing an awful lot of listening. They were seeing it with their eyes. 
And God is not asking us just to hear, but He's wanting us to listen. So that we will listen to His words and that we will follow them. That we will follow them with all of our heart, with all of our life, with all of our efforts. And that's what we want to do. And so as we look at those passages, we jump forward from Deuteronomy 6 to Deuteronomy 7, verse 12. And it says here in verse 12, Then it shall come about when you listen to these judgments and keep them and do them, that the Lord your God will keep you, keep with you His covenant and His loving kindness which He swore to His forefathers, to your forefathers. He will love you and bless you and multiply you, bless the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your ground, your grain, your new wine, your oil. He's going to give you all of this as you listen and do. Because listening and doing go hand in hand. There are several places that we see this broken out. We're going to spend a little bit more time. We're going to jump now ahead to Deuteronomy 11. We see here in verse 13. Look at my notes. It shall come about if you listen obediently to my commandments, which I am commanding you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve Him with all your heart and soul, that He'll give you rain in season, early and late rain. He's going to bless you, in other words. Bless you in ways that are unimaginable. Down in verses 22 and 23, he continues on saying, For if you are careful to keep all of this commandment, which I am commanding you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to hold fast to Him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you and will dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. They have to listen. Now on the flip side of that, what would happen was if they didn't listen, well, they would pay the price. In verse 20 of chapter 8, and I'll pick it up in context. It shall come about if you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you today that you will perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so you shall perish because you would not listen to the voice of the Lord your God. Didn't mean they didn't hear, it means they didn't obey what God had told them to do and how to live. It was pretty evident that didn't have the fact that their ears were working or not, they were commanded to follow God, and they weren't. This is not a concept that is unique to the Old Testament, though. We see Jesus referring to this, and we'll talk about a couple of those passages today in Mark chapter 12 and Matthew chapter 22. Because that's important. But before we get there, turn with me, if you would, please, in your Bible to John chapter 10. This is where Jesus teaches that He is the Good Shepherd. And that His sheep know Him. And He knows His sheep. That He's not a hireling. He says a lot of things there. But in verse 27, what's important for us to note is that He says, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. As he said, my sheep, my people, they hear my voice, and they follow me. 
They're obedient to Him. I find that similar to what Jesus was saying in John chapter 15. Because in John chapter 15, one of the things He says in verse 10, If you keep My commandments, you will abide in My love, just as I have kept My Father's commandments and abide in His love. Keeping the commandments of Christ, how would you do that? You would hear them, and then you would follow them. Because if you didn't know them, you couldn't very well follow them, right? So they'd hear them, and then they'd be expected to do them. Now in John chapter 18, we find Jesus before Pilate. This is at his crucifixion. And in verse... 37 of chapter 18 Pilate says to him well I'll get it in context maybe he says my kingdom is not of this world if my kingdom were of this world my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews but as it is my kingdom is not of this realm therefore Pilate said to him so you are a king Jesus answered you say correctly that I am a king for this I have been born and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Now Pilate want to know what truth was. But the idea is that my people, everyone who is of the truth, hears my voice. And then what do they do with it? Well, the same thing that they did in Deuteronomy. They yielded to Jesus. They obeyed Him. This carries over into, as I said, the New Testament from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Because as we read them played out in Mark chapter 12, here is what we learn in Mark chapter 12 and verse 29. One of the scribes, now they were trying to trap Jesus all the time. One of the scribes at this time heard them arguing, and Jesus answered them all well, came over to ask Jesus, what commandment is the foremost of all? And I know he was, you know, the 619 various commandments, he was trying to get Jesus to put his finger on one particular one to where he could say, ah, that's not it. I don't know if he thought who he was dealing with, but this scribe didn't understand Jesus. Jesus understood him perfectly well. And so Jesus answered him, the foremost, like any Jewish child probably today would have probably said this, Jesus being no different would say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said, And right, teacher, you have stated that he is one and that there is no one else beside him. And so Jesus told him, when he repeated it back to him, Jesus said, You'd answered intelligently, so you're not far from the kingdom of God. Because hearing God, hearkening to his voice, loving him with all that you are, is the answer that's the greatest. But there's something else in the companion passage that we read in Matthew chapter 12, or Matthew chapter 22. It's the same setting. The Pharisees were gathered together. The 
Sadducees had been silent to hear the case. The lawyer asked him the question, What is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the second great, this is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But Matthew adds something very important for us, saying, On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. All the rest of this hung on these two commandments. Loving the Lord your God with all of your being and your neighbor as yourself. They're a foundational passage, the Shema is. Something which the entire law and prophets was built. The same foundation that underlines the teaching of the New Testament that we have for us today. So one of my final passages is going to be found in 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. And the lesson will soon be yours. John writes, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and, get this, observe His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Foundational. Love of God is obedience to God. And that's what's commandment. And we keep the commandments of Jesus, they're not burdensome, and that's the victory that has overcome the world. As he moves on to say in verse 4, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes Jesus is the Son of God. And so faith in God, loving God, loving Him, observing His commandments is the very foundation on the teachings that Jesus has built on. The bottom line with it is that the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, is the timeless principle. It is important that we hear it. It's important that we understand it. It's important that we explore it to learn why it's such a basic foundational concept. It is simply God telling us, saying, hear me, listen to me, pay attention, obey my voice. You know, back in the days of the prophets when Israel had gone off, there were things that had happened. After Isaiah had his vision, and he was said, here am I, send me. It says in verse 9, he said, Go tell this people, keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Well, they would hear the words, but they didn't act upon them. They would break his commandments. Not because they didn't hear the words, but because they didn't want to follow them. Because they wanted to do their own thing. So when you read your Bibles, how do you allow it to impact you? Do you read just the words and move on? Or do you listen to the words that they're saying with the intent to, how can I do this? What is being said here? How can I better understand this? My sheep hear my voice, Jesus said, and they follow me. Jesus' words to us are to hear Him, to listen to Him, 
and to obey His voice. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, I think I have it marked here. No, I don't. But it's an easy passage. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Now this isn't a message to individual Christians, although we could take it partly like that. It's written in the church in Laodicea. A church that he says, I know your deeds, you're neither hot nor cold. Or cold nor hot, I wish you were cold or hot. Because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. You say you're rich and have need of nothing. You don't understand that you're wretched, miserable, and pure, and blind, and naked. He tells them what he needs to do. He says, to those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Change your life. Do something. Hear what I'm telling you. Hear this warning to the church in Laodicea. And he closes it. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant him to sit down with me on the throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on the throne. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. God calls us to hear his voice and to do. To be obedient to him in all that we do. So as you reflect on the Shema this morning, and the days ahead as we go through this, God calls us to listen and to obey. Our obedience in becoming a Christian is foremost. And as I heard someone say, you know, you know our confession of faith and baptism is into Christ is the last thing that a sinner does. The first thing is he's raised to walk in newness of life. As far as I know, everyone here has been obedient to the gospel. There may be some who've not put Christ on, but I can't see anyone. But if you have a need to respond to the invitation of Jesus, so that you hear more clearly the words of God, so that you can obey more perfectly the will of God, won't you please come to Jesus when you stand in line?